Do you have a go fact to yourself fan in your life and you don't know what to get them for the holidays? Well, have we got the solution for you. It's our brand new merch. That means merchandise. That's right. We've got a brand new mug available in two exciting sizes and a redesigned T-shaped shirt available in even more sizes. Show your love with a gift that says, I love facts. And I have $16 plus shipping. Go to MaxFunStore.com to place your order today. That's MaxFunStore.com. Then search for Go Fact Yourself. Thanks for supporting the show. And now, the show you're supporting. I'm Helen Huang. And I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Welcome to the best of Broadway episode of Go Fact Yourself. We decided to make Broadway the subject of our latest best of special for a specific reason. After more than two years, we welcomed back a really important and fun part of our podcast, the live audience. Yay. Boy, we have missed hearing people laugh at our jokes and cheer on our contestants. And it's been so great to have that part of GFY return. And the world of theater has actually had to go through something similar. It just wasn't safe for audiences to see plays and musicals in person for a long time. Helen, now that we can go see theatrical performances again, what are some of your favorite theatrical performances that you've gotten to see over the years? Oh, I actually did see Wicked on Broadway. That's when I learned that getting tickets within the first five to ten rows is Mm -hmm. not, not, those are not the best seats. Mm. No, they're not the best seats. It's too close. It's yes. too close. Yeah. yeah. Other times, you maybe at a concert, you want to be in the front row, but not maybe not for the Broadway theater. No, no. Yeah. I had to learn that the hard way. <laughs> well, I just had a wonderful theatrical experience pretty recently. My fiance, Sarah, and I were in New York City, and uh, we made a little bit of a splurge. We decided to go see The Music Man with Hugh Jackman and <gasps> Sutton Foster. Ooh. And uh, those seats are very expensive, but we bought the cheap version of the expensive seats. And when I went to the box office to pick them up, and it turned out I didn't need to go to the box office to pick them up because they'd been on my phone the entire time uh, <laughs> but I like to have a ticket stub I collect ticket stubs of shows that I see and uh, I told the lady this and I think she realized that I was a true fan of theater she printed out some tickets and she wrote something on the back and said I, I bumped you up a little bit I gave you a little something <gasps> special I never had this happen before and we ended up in fifth row center no yes so we had oh my gosh. I think Hugh Jackman's like personal house seats somehow were given to us and uh, what? uh it, it was it was incredible to be that close in your case yeah being in the fifth row right that close to Hugh Jackman that yeah. that is that is a good thing. <laughs> yes I think fifth really is about the borderline like where you want to start getting the where you where you want to start sitting it's it's just out of the spit zone yes exactly <laughs> as as they say on Broadway you will get wet <laughs> all right well let's get this best of Broadway special started our first segment is from episode 40 and features a Broadway veteran as one of our guests and a Broadway show as our other guest topic it's Anthony Rapp versus Jessica McKenna and her love of Hamilton and Helen had a gig that night, so our special guest co-host was Christella Alonzo. Places, everyone, places. Curtain up. <laughs> All right, question number one about Hamilton for Jessica McKenna. Jessica, as shown in the musical, Alexander Hamilton was the United States' first secretary of what? Treasury. Christella? Correct. That is correct, of course. Treasury or state? Treasury or state? Yeah. Treasury or state? <laughs> yeah. Yes, good. Uh, here's question number two. Finish this lyric from Hamilton about the Federalist Papers. John Jay got sick after writing five. Yep. James Madison wrote 29. Hamilton, Hamilton wrote, wrote the other. Oh, shoot. Oh, fudge. Hamilton wrote the other 70. No, 85 or 71. Ooh, 71. Chrisella? 
Incorrect. Incorrect. No. I'm terribly sorry. Anthony with a chance to steal. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say 61. Christella? Incorrect. Incorrect. Yeah. Christella with a chance to steal. <laughs> Notwithstanding that the answer is on a piece of paper in front of her. Hamilton wrote the, the other, other 51. 51. We knew it was a one. Yeah, we a knew one. it was a one. Yeah. Yeah. No point there, but I'm kind of glad that we got to have that experience that was as actually, well. Yeah. That, was our, that yeah. was our question. Yeah. That was a question for us. The yeah. sound of 60 is very close to the sound of 50. Yeah. So, you know, it's like yeah. not that far off. We yeah. all okay. knew one, though. Yeah. We and all go, knew and it ended composers one. and lyricists aren't really precise about yeah, their exactly, words. Exactly. So it's... I'm sure it's fine yeah, if you, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, question number three, let's see if okay. you can bounce back with this one. At what Broadway theater did Hamilton open on August 6, 2015, where it still plays today? Richard Rogers. Christella? Correct. That is correct. That's where if then, if then was the last show to play there before oh, Hamilton right? started. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I saw If Then there, by the way. Uh, yeah, you're welcome, well. Hamilton. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, fun fact, uh, it of course is named for the famous Broadway composer who was the first person to achieve an EGOT, but he also got a Pulitzer for South Pacific, so technically Richard Rogers is a PGOT. Ah, you can really peacock about being a PGOT. Indeed. <laughs> All right, here we go. Question number four. The musical Hamilton is based on a book about the life of Alexander Hamilton. Who wrote that book, and what is the book's title? Chernow, and I'll take the hint. Christelle, how about that first hint? As far as the title, the answer is contained in the question. Can I hear the question you again? You can. The musical Hamilton is based on a book about the life of Alexander Hamilton. Who wrote that book, and what is the book's title? The Life of Alexander Hamilton. And the author again? Chernow. Christella? Incorrect. Oh, I'm no. terribly sorry. That is incorrect. Anthony with a chance to steal. Uh, I'm going to say the book is called Alexander Hamilton. It's Ronald Chernow. Christella? Yes. Yes, correct. that is correct. <laughs> Ron Chernow wrote the book. It is simply called Alexander Hamilton. Uh. Yes. Okay, let's see if you can bounce back with number five. Hamilton contains many references to hip-hop and to Broadway musicals, and there's also a reference to an off-Broadway musical. In the last line of the song, Say No to This, what off-Broadway musical does it reference? Uh, last five years. Nobody needs to know. Christella? Correct. That is correct. <laughs> I would not have been able to steal that. Are you serious? I would not have been able to steal that. You wouldn't have gotten that one? That's a great show. Are you for real? (laughs) I'm for real. Okay, that's enough for me. (laughs) Because that's deep cut. That is a deep cut. I wasn't sure if you were going to get that. Yeah. Uh, The last five years, of course, a musical written by Jason Jason Robert Robert Brown. Brown. Uh, That song... (laughs) The song Say No to This is a song I really feel like I need to prove some shit up here. (laughs) (laughs) You've proven plenty. Uh, that, that show, by the way, is also one of my favorite shows. Uh, the song Say No to This is about infidelity, and the last line is Nobody Needs to Know, which is a reference to a song called Nobody Needs to Know, which is also about infidelity. Jessica, you did quite well in that round. Oh, thank you. But now here is your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. I love when that surprises the guests. The question is so high-level, we'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. While Jonathan Groff originated the role of King George in Hamilton on Broadway, many notable actors have filled the role since. In fact, three of the actors who've taken on King George on Broadway had been nominated for Tony Awards for other roles. Name those three actors. Oh, Jessica's crazy. laughing. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, Rory O'Malley. Uh, do I have to see what they're nominated for? No, if you want to show off, you Okay. Can. Well, yeah, he was nominated for his role in Book of Mormon. Mm-hmm. Uh Andrew Reynolds, also nominated for Book of Mormon. And I'm going to say Brian Darcy James, nominated for Being Great. (laughs) I don't remember what, but I'm going to say probably him. Okay. uh, Christella is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Christella, who do we have tonight? 
Here with us tonight is a Tony-nominated actor who's been on Broadway in the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, The Book of Mormon, and Hamilton. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Rory O'Malley. It's Rory O'Malley. Can you believe how often I name-checked you? I, I can't. And I was like, I'm such a huge fan of, of the Off Book podcast, so I have like so many better people that you could have referenced other than me. But no. I'm very glad that it was... That it was me. You know what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is a pro- we had Jamie Dembo on the show today, who created the show on Lifetime that Rory is yes. is in, yes. and so we were just talking about you today. Get out. Great movie. We of course mentioned that you were uh, nominated for Tony. That of course was for Book of Mormon, as Jessica right. got correct Tony for loser. a bonus point. Tony loser. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, what was the Tony Award experience like for you? It was surreal. It it just the whole time I was at the Tony Awards, I was like, well, this can't be the real Tony. <laughs> <laughs> They've let me in, and I was Josh Gad, who I went to college with, and was one of my best friends. We were both nominated. We both lost together. And we, the, at the beginning of the night, he always is embarrassing me. I'm always embarrassing him. And he brought in a plastic bag full of stuff from the drugstore for Dwayne Reed, of food. And I was like, you can't do that. We're at the Tony Awards. That's so embarrassing. And like four hours in, I was like, what do you got in that bag? <laughs> Give me some ding dongs. <laughs> Next thing you know, you're giving a Zagnut to Patty Lapone. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Uh, all right. Well, let's talk about your role in Hamilton. Uh, how did you get the role of King George in Hamilton? Oh, that's a that's a crazy story because I actually was going to do another Broadway show called Nerds about Bill Gates and Steve Jobs, and we were three weeks into rehearsals. I was playing Bill Gates. It was like this over the top musical comedy, so much fun. And a producer walked in and said. Everyone go home. An investor dropped out. We will not be opening on Broadway. It was like an episode of Smash. Yeah, it was like the Little Prince. <laughs> yeah, it was. Like, it was exactly like that. But we were all grown up, and it meant we couldn't pay for our rent. Um, <laughs> and it was really, really sad. <laughs> How you gonna pay? Sorry, sorry. I, 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 I'm sorry. I he said it. I'm like, this yeah. is exactly. Well, are we doing this exactly. right now? Yes, yes, yeah. Yeah, we are. Um, yeah. So it was really sad. But our director, Casey Christian, who's an amazing person she said let's all show up tomorrow run through this show and show what the work to our friends and family what we've done so we went to a rehearsal room and ran through the show for each other i was living in los angeles went flew back to my husband and i said all right you know like i'm done with broadway i can't believe that happened it was so depressing and i got a call from my agent the next day and she said would you go back to broadway and i said absolutely not i'm so upset <laughs> she said well what if it's for the king in hamilton i said i'm at lax i'm on the red eye right now. <laughs> and she said do you want to talk to your husband first i said i'll text him when i get there <laughs> um, that's- well, you, were, you, you were already familiar and a fan of oh, the show. I saw it. Uh, I saw it at the uh, at the public as well because I went to college with Leslie Odom Jr. and I was like got on the wait list to get into a performance of wow. it. So I knew I saw Brian Darcy James, who is nominated every year just for being great, <laughs> and 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 I was like, oh, one day I want to play that role. One day. Mm-hmm. And what happened was is that Jonathan Groff, who it was only like seven months into the run, they hadn't even been nominated for an award at that point. He got uh, Mindhunter. On Netflix. So it was like this crazy, this huge thing with David Fincher. So he left the show like four months early. So the day that he put in his notice was the day that my Broadway show collapsed. Wow. And the casting director for my show happens to be the casting director for Hamilton. And she was in that room. And she saw me perform as Bill Gates. And after the show, she said, well, Rory was pretty funny. And I know he's free. So... <laughs> <laughs> 
And also so. Bill Gates, King George. I, I mean, mean, yeah, so yeah. that's how I got that part. That and is it incredible. Was, it was, yeah, it was crazy. The, the role of King George is a relatively small role compared to the compared to the, the whole show. But it's it has about a huge... 15 minutes, I yeah. think. That's, yeah, so yeah. What, what do you, yeah. how do you spend the rest of the time during that, the show? That's my number one question. How do you spend your time? So I mostly just think, like, what am I going to tell people I did today? <laughs> like, I, like, I can't tell them I was playing Candy Crush for three hours. Oh, yeah, you can. So what should I say? Yeah. <laughs> so I would, like, I would tweet a lot, like, backstage. I would tweet at Christella. So I, like, I would... would you really? I, I don't know if you know this. I would tweet, like, about Golden Girls with you. I remember, like, yes. specifically when Golden Girls came on Hulu. Yes. I was like, you love Golden Girls. I love Golden Girls. Let's Roy, talk Golden Girls. And then they d- shut down my Twitter account, and now I need to follow you again. I don't oh, follow... They, sh- they ma- shut we'll me make down. That we'll make yes, that happen. Yes, we, we enjoyed Hamilton and Golden and Girls Golden chat. Girls. Yes. And by the way, Jamie Denbo was my first improv teacher at UCB. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> So Guys, the world. I feel Love like circle. I feel like yeah. I Love feel like there's a deranged version with like a bulletin board like drawing a string <laughs> yeah. everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. Except it's true. And Anthony Rapp, I'm your mother. <laughs> it's possible. That would be wow. Uh, all right, Rory. This Love is a lot it. of fun talking with you, but let's get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked Jessica. We wanted to know who were the three actors who had taken on the role of King George on Broadway who had been nominated for Tony Awards for other roles. Christella, what was the first answer that Jessica gave? Andrew Reynolds. And Rory? That is correct. That is correct. Andrew Reynolds. <laughs> uh, you also said he was nominated for Book of Mormon, which is correct. He also was nominated for the recent production of Falsettos. Oh. <laughs> Guys, I like winning, but I also like learning. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that's really, the, that should be our tagline. Yeah. That's why it's a one point there for Jessica. Christella, what was the second answer that Jessica gave? Uh, our guest, Rory O'Malley. And Rory O'Malley? <laughs> that's right. That is right. <laughs> Rory, of course, was indeed nominated for Book of Mormon. That is a one point there for Jessica. And finally, what was the third answer that Jessica gave? Brian Darcy James. And uh, Rory? That is correct. That is also correct. <laughs> A clean sweep of the cluster fact for Jessica. In addition to being nominated for being Brian Darcy James, he was nominated actually for Sweet Smell of Success, Shrek the Musical, and Something Rotten. Also, if I'm not mistaken, he originated one of the roles in Next to Normal. He did, but did not, Broadway. was not on Broadway. Yes, yeah, he originated yes. the role of Dan, I believe. Yes, he did. Yes. And he was unbelievable every day. Is there anything that either Anthony or Jessica would like to say or ask of Rory? Hi, Ro- Rory. How are Hi, you? I'm good. I know. Yeah. It's so good to it's see so you. Good to see you, Jean Jacket. Jean Jacket. <laughs> <laughs> Jean Jacket. Rory, Sir. if people want to find you or your work, where can they go? You can go to my mom. She will tell you everything <laughs> you know. Or you can follow me on Twitter at Rory O'Malley or on Instagram at Mr. Rory O'Malley. I'm a lot more formal on, on Well, Instagram. it was wonderful to have you. Thank you so much for coming. Mr. Rory O'Malley. Yay. Anthony Rapp just announced that he and his partner have a baby. Congratulations. Uh, Also, Rory O'Malley has rejoined Hamilton for its tour stop in Cleveland this month. Catch him as King George there if you can. And if you can't, the great thing about Hamilton is that now everyone can watch it at home since it's streaming on Disney+. Hey, speaking of Disney, let's go to episode 59 with guests Rachel Bloom and Tommy Davidson, celebrating Rachel's love of Disney musicals. We're going to talk about some classics that appeared on screen and on stage, including Broadway. This was one of our very first episodes recorded via Zoom with everyone at home, which may be the only reason these busy experts were actually available. Yes, and that was experts, plural. And they're married to each other. 
Well, here you go, uh, Rachel. Here's question number one. Several songs from Disney movie musicals have won the Oscar for best song, but the first one to do it was from 1940s Pinocchio and was sung by Jiminy Cricket. What was this wonderful song? Probably When You Wish Upon a Star. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. It is When You Wish Upon a Star. Fun fact, it is used, of course, as the background music when the Walt Disney Pictures logo appears on screen before a movie. It is also the main horn signal on all Disney cruise ships. Wow, wow really? That, that's, a, that's a fun fact. <laughs> that is very fun. Question number two for Rachel. What composer has won eight Oscars for his music for Disney musicals, including The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, and Pocahontas? Now we're talking about Mr. Alan Menken. Helen? Whoa! I'm no match for her. That is... Correct. Yes, that is correct. Very good. He has eight Oscars, which are the most for any living person. As he should. All right. You're doing very well. Let's see how you're doing. Question number three. What stage musical produced by Disney Theatrical Productions and based on a Disney animated film has yet to make it to Broadway, but has toured extensively and is one of the longest running shows in Berlin? You do have a hint available if you'd like to use the hint. You might want to save it for later. I'll use the hint for this one. Helen, how about that first hint? In the successful German show, the title character is called the Glockner. Glockner shares the root Glock with the word Glockenspiel. Oh, oh, Bambi? Helen, is it Bambi? It is not Bambi. No, I'm terribly sorry. Tommy, what do you think? That's easy, man. Okay? That'd be Beauty and the Beast. Helen? Nope. No, sorry, it was not so easy. Not so easy. Not so easy. No, we were actually looking for The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Wait, I was going to say that. I was going to say that because Vincent Rodriguez, who was on my show, was in mm-hmm. it. But I didn't know it toured extensively. I thought it was just at La Jolla Playhouse and Paper Mill. Well, it's been extensively, at least in Europe, one of the longest running shows uh, in Berlin. The actual- Oh, I had no idea. I, well, did, I, ruled, it out, I ruled it out immediately Crazy. because I thought it was a short run Because I saw it at the La Jolla Playhouse. Of course you did. Fun fact, the German title actually is Der Glockner von Notre Dame. Glockner means literally bell ringer. Question number four. The Lion King is the highest grossing show in Broadway history, playing over 9,000 performances so far and winning two Tony Awards for its director and costume designer, Julie Taymor, the first woman ever to get a Tony for Best Director. Name one of the two theaters where The Lion King has had its incredible Broadway run. I'm going to say the the New Amsterdam. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. The New Amsterdam. (laughs) Oh, my God. Very well done. The other one is the Minskoff. Fun fact, the New Amsterdam is actually the oldest Broadway house in operation. It is owned by the city of New York and is operated by Disney as part of a 99-year lease. Very, very good. 99. 99 years. Yes, they've uh, they started in 93 and uh, they got a long time to go. Wow. All right. Here is question number five. This is going to be tricky, but uh, you do still have a hint available. So let's see if you need it. Oh, good to know. Sometimes a lot of talent isn't enough to make a musical a success. What 1962 movie had songs by the Sherman Brothers of The Jungle Book starred Disney icon Haley Mills was directed by Robert Stevenson, who directed Mary Poppins and based on a novel by Jules Verne, yet still managed to be almost completely forgotten as a Disney. Disney musical. Wow. Music by the Sherman Brothers, Haley mm-hmm. Mills. So it's not the parent trap because it's forgotten. Mm-hmm. Would um, you like to use that second hint? Yeah, I, I love the hint. Helen, how about that second hint? Playing off its title, film critic Leonard Maltin once called it In Search of a Story, which might explain why it is so little remembered. I'll say In Search of the Little Fish That Could. <laughs> Helen, is it In Search of the Little Fish That Could? It is not. No, but I would see that movie. In fact, I think I did called Finding Nemo. Yeah, yeah uh, that's just Finding Nemo. <laughs> that what is it? That, Tommy, you have a chance to steal. Oh. 
The Music Man? Helen, is it The Music Man? It is not The Music Man. No, uh, Rachel, you're on the right track by using the clue. It is actually called In Search of the Castaways. In Search of the Castaways. That was wow. a number five question. That is very difficult. That's Still, you one. did quite well in that round. But now it is time for your expert level question <gasps> that requires multiple answers. Oh my God. It is time for your cluster fact. Ooh. All right, Rachel, here's your question. We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. Oh my gosh. Disney has opened several musicals on Broadway since The Lion King, with the most recent being Frozen. But it wasn't just the movie version on stage. For up to three points, name one of the songs that is in the movie that is not in the Broadway production, name one song that was not in the movie that is in the Broadway production, and name one of the two Grammy and Oscar-winning songwriters who wrote the music and lyrics. The first one was in the movie that's not in the Broadway show. Right. Then the other is flipped. What was name, name one song that was in the Broadway show but uh-huh, not in the movie? Uh-huh, uh-huh, and then and... name one of the uh, songwriting team who wrote the music and lyrics. Okay, I think I have it. All right, all right. right I'm gonna guess the first okay. one. I don't know the name, but I think it's the Norwegian like I think it's that. That's, That's not the in the that Broadway show. Not in the Broadway show. Well, Helen, it, are you, Helen, are you writing that down? <laughs> it's and it's not called Frozen Heart because that's. That's the opening number with the men. It's called da da da. It's but it's called like Song of the Ice Time. Song of the Ice Time. You can time? do it. No, she can do it. She can no, do I it. No, I absolutely can't, but I, okay. I, I if I'm gonna guess that's yes. a song that's not in the Broadway show and that's different from Frozen right. Heart, which is the song sung by the ice pickers. Okay. Uh, the second one, a song that is in the Broadway show that is not mm-hmm. in the movie is called Huga. And I believe it is the act two opener, and I found okay. it delightful. Okay. And third yeah. is uh, uh, Robert Lopez, of course. Robert, and I just take an extra point, uh, Robert and Kristen Anderson Lopez. All right. Well, Helen is taking note of your answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is the Grammy and Oscar-winning songwriting team <gasps> who wrote Frozen and Frozen You're 2. You're kidding oh me. It's Kristen Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez. Oh, my God. Kristen and Robert, there you are. Hey, Rachel. Hey. Rachel, can you see them? I see them. Hi. We're really sorry not to be Alan. Uh, he took my joke. I don't think we've ever met in person, but I've talked. No. I've at least talked to Robert online, but like, oh my gosh. Y- well, you guys I are actually brilliant. asked uh, when, when we were thrilled to find out that we, that Kristen and uh, Robert would be joining us. I asked if they had met you and Robert said he didn't think they'd met you, but he had sent you a fan letter. I Well, I mean, the, the feeling is obviously mutual. And the only reason I hadn't sent a fan letter first is like, I'm like, they're so busy. <laughs> uh, uh, Not right it. now. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> oh, my God. Thank you for doing this. Wait, are your, your kids are asleep, I assume. They're asleep. Actually, we're probably waking them up right now. Uh, well, thank you for staying up late with us. I know you're not night owls and uh, you're, you're calling so in from the cool. East Coast. Thank it you is. for doing this. This is that awesome. Is incredible, guys. For our listeners, uh, in addition of course, to the Frozen movies and the show, Bobby, uh, you've had great acclaim on Broadway as a contributor to Avenue Q and Book of Mormon. Kristen, you were on Broadway with In Transit. You both have won Oscars not just for Frozen, but for the song you wrote for the movie Coco. Well, let's talk about Frozen. Um, what I'm so amazed when I, when I listen to that when I rewatched the movie a bunch is that every song works so well. Uh, they, they work well on their own as songs and they work so well in the story. How many songs would you say that you had to write to, to whittle it down to the ones that ended up in the film? The first time around, we were figuring out how to do it. Mm-hmm. And so, and we all were as a team. And we wrote 25 songs and seven and a half got in the movie. Wow. This second time around, Jennifer Lee, the three of us all knew what we were getting into and knew better than to write that song that 
just like could or could not mm. fall on the floor. Uh, we knew to wait. So we wrote 15 songs and there are seven and a half songs in the movie. So our batting <laughs> wow. average got That's up a big improvement, I think. Uh, yeah, 500. Absolutely. From 250. And I have to ask about Let It Go. It, it is such a, a slam dunk, solid, instant classic. Oh my God, I love classic. that song. Did you realize that the, when you were writing it, I think we got something here. I think this is going to be something special. Yeah, I always thought that like when we, when we that day that we wrote it, I, I, I was like, you know Marina Menounos, who does the whole like spiel before the movie theater if you get there early? Like she's going to say, and that was Let It Go. I thought it would be in the pre-show. I thought it would be a Maria Menounos thing. <laughs> I, I go through for weeks at a time sometimes where I hear it all the time, yet I don't get sick of it. I have to ask you as the songwriter, does it ever get stuck in your head? Not anymore. Mm-hmm. No, it's, a weird thing happened with Let It Go because we, you know, we created it, and I remember that day really having so much fun belting it, like belting my face off for the demo because mm-hmm. we we do demos of everything and then hand them to the actors. You're like, um, I guess Adina Menzel can do this. <laughs> <laughs> she actually, once we got in the studio, she raised it a half step. Okay, Adina. <laughs> a weird thing happens when you have to like give away a song and there are some songs mm. that still really belong to us, like your child that can't leave home yet, mm. um, the, the failed oh. songs, but the songs that like take off and become a, a global thing, they belong to other people now. So we don't sing them that much. Like nobody mm. sings them, but we used to. And our girls used to sing them like crazy before the movie came out. Wow. And went as Anna wow. and Elsa for Halloween, yeah. the oh. Halloween before the movie came out. And everyone was like, who are you? Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> I, hope they, I hope they said, you'll see. Wow. You'll see. <laughs> so when you started the original Frozen and there was like just even barely concept art, did Elsa look different? Oh, like, yeah. did, oh, the, yeah. did the main characters look completely right. different? Elsa was blue with short, spiky <gasps> hair. What? She was totally evil. She was, I could she see froze that. on his heart on purpose. Yeah, she was she was totally campy and you know we wrote her like this Avril Lavigne kind of yeah, like, I want you to be cool with me yeah. uh, oh that's oh, so that, cool. that's nice wow. though that's nice though yeah. <laughs> alright well I could talk to you about uh, musicals and your careers uh, all night as I'm sure Rachel could but let's get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game is concerned <gasps> oh, oh, you're no. the question that we asked of Rachel first we wanted to know what was one of the songs that was in the movie Frozen that did not make it into the stage version Helen what did Rachel say <laughs> She said it was not Frozen Heart, but it is uh, possibly Song of the Ice Time. Also known as Did It Do Do Do? Yeah, da 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 da. And Kristen Robertson, did she get that right? She was thinking of the Vueli, the na 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 hey na. Now, the Vueli is actually in there. And it leads into a new opening number, and we skipped Frozen Heart, which is the, everyone's favorite Ice Harvesters song from a bunch of Ice Harvesters you'll never see again. So we couldn't <laughs> afford the, the Frozen Ice and the Frozen Ice Harvesters. Plus, like, harvesting <laughs> ice on stage just never looks good. That's true. <laughs> so I'm sorry, no point there, but I think but it, you definitely were in, the, were, in, were in the correct space. All right, next we wanted to know, uh, name one song that was not in the movie that is in the Broadway production. Helen, what did Rachel say? Rachel said the Hugo. And yes. uh, Hugo? Kristen and Bobby? <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Yeah, that's, oh, yeah. that's a yeah, point for right. Rachel. And then finally, we wanted to know from Rachel, uh, one of the two Grammy and Oscar winning songwriters who wrote the music and lyrics for Frozen. Helen, what did Rachel say with a bonus answer as well? Rachel said Robert Lopez and Kristen Anderson Lopez. And was she correct? I believe so. I believe so as well. (laughs) That's an easy Uh, one. 
Excellent. We, we do have to run. I know you're, you're staying up late. Uh, last thing, Rachel, is there anything you'd like to, uh, in closing, say or ask of our experts while we have them here? Oh, I'm probably just going to Twitter message you and try to do a Zoom hang with both of you. <laughs> you know uh, it. And, yeah. and, and, my, and my husband, if you guys are down for it, because I'd that. love to hang out with you. Sure. Do you work with your husband? Does, does he... I do. I work with my husband a lot. He directed a lot on Crazy X. He was a writer on Crazy X. He and I are writing a movie together right now. Um, and we, we met doing comedy together. So oh, wow. I, that's why I'm like, oh, another collaborative couple with, especially with kids. Mm. I really like it's good for us to meet people like that. Yeah. Absolutely. And talk to you. It's tricky and amazing. Well, it was great for us to meet and talk to you. It was an honor and an absolute pleasure to have you. Christian yes. Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez, everybody. Thank Woo-hoo! you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Bobby and Kristen had such a good time as our experts that they came back as guests competing in their own chosen topics on episode 76. Now, Helen, how long after this show were we waiting to finally bring back live audiences to go fact yourself? It was just a little over two years and five months or roughly... One million two hundred twenty-six thousand eight hundred eighty minutes. On that note, or notes, here's episode sixty-four with Jade Catapretta showing off her love of Rent against Dave Hill. That's the song you were going for, wasn't it? Yes. Okay. Good. I wasn't sure. I was like, "Is he singing what I'm singing?" Because I can't tell. Question number one. In addition to multiple Tony Awards, Rent also won What Prestigious Prize for Drama, a prize that's often associated with journalism and literature. Oh, no, I don't know this. Helen, may I please have a hint? Helen, how about that first hint? People sometimes mispronounce the first syllable of this prize as pule, but it's really pull. Okay, Pulitzer? Helen? That is correct. That is correct for the point. Fun fact, while the Pulitzer for drama usually goes to a play, it does sometimes go to musicals like it did for Rent, Hamilton, Next to Normal, and most recently, A Strange Loop. All right, Jade, you're on the board. Here's question number two. Act two of Rent begins with the song Seasons of Love. As we learn in the song repeatedly, how many minutes are in a year? And please sing your answer. 525,600 minutes. Helen? That is correct. That is correct, and very well sung as well. That was beautiful. That really was lovely. Oh, thanks, Dave. Fun fact, on the original (laughs) cast album, a bonus track of the song is featured with vocals by Stevie Wonder. All right, here's question number three. Act one ends with the song La Vie Boheme, which contains dozens of cultural references. But which one of the following people is not mentioned in the song? Is it Maya Angelou, Lenny Bruce, Federico Fellini, or Pee Wee Herman? I'm going to go with Fellini. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Fellini is not mentioned. Other Italian directors are. Fun fact, Maya Angelou is used to rhyme with Curry Vindaloo. Curry Vindaloo, <laughs> Maya <laughs> Angelou. I have to look that one up because it would always get stuck in that spot. You know, you just make up words. or you like, nah, yeah. nah, nah, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You're three for three, Jade. Here's question number four. Rent was made into a 2005 movie directed by Chris Columbus. Most of the original main cast was in the movie version, but two of the eight people in main roles were new for the movie. Name the two actors who were not in the Broadway stage version. Well, Daphne Rubin Vega played the original Mimi that was played by Rosalia Dawson in the film, right? Rosalia. And then, ooh, can I have the hint for the second? You want to have this? Yes. Uh, Helen, how about that second hint? Just the tip, please. <laughs> One of them has the initials R.D. The other's initials are T.T. T.T. <laughs> oh, man, I was going to say Tay Diggs, but I don't think it's Tay Tiggs. Um, 
Oh man, I don't know this one, guys. I'm sorry. Want to just give? Want to just give a guess of someone with the initials TT? Thomas Taylor. Uh, Helen, is it Rosario Dawson and Thomas Taylor? It is not. No, I'm terribly sorry, Dave. With a chance to steal, tiny. It's Tiny Tim. <laughs> Helen, is it Tiny Tim? It is not Tiny Tim. No, I'm terribly sorry. Rosario Dawson was correct. Tracy Toms. Tracy Toms. Oh, Tracy Toms. Oh. Dang it. Yes, I she didn't played. Know. Uh, she played Joanne. Helen, you would like to give uh, Jade a half point for getting the Rosario Dawson part? I would okay, like to half give you a point half point for Jade. Yeah. All right, here is question number five. You have no hints available, but let's see if you can figure this one out. Oh, no. Rent ran on Broadway for over 12 years, finally closing in 2008. Within 250, how many performances did Rent have on Broadway? And it's 12 years. Let's see, 12 years, seven nights a week, probably two shows a night? So 14 shows a week, 14, four times four, 28, 28 times two is 56, 56 is per month. So 56 times 12 is 500, Ooh, um, okay, okay, 52 times 12, 764. 764. Helen? That is not correct. No, I'm terribly sorry. Dave with a chance to steal. The question is how many times was it performed over its 12 years? Yes. On Broadway. Uh, 30,660. 30,660. Helen? That is not correct. Wait. No, I'm afraid both of you are way Wait, off the track. 525,600 times? <laughs> that, that, would have been, that would have been a great answer. Both of those would have been a record. No, it is 5,123. Oh, wow, so many Oh, wait. I, my math. I did something crazy with the math. Fun fact, on the all-time list, Rent is number 11 behind Beauty and the Beast for the most wow. Broadway performances. Beauty and the Beast had 5,461. All right, you still did pretty wow. well in that round, Jade, but now here's your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. No, I'm excited. Jade, Rent was nominated for 10 Tony Awards, including four for its performers. One of those performers won the Tony. For up to three points, name two of the three performers who were nominated but didn't win, and name the actor who was nominated and did win. So Tay Diggs and Adam Pascal were both nominated, and then uh, Dina Menzel won. All right. Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is an actor who won a Tony for his performance in Rent. It's Wilson Germain Heredia. Ah, Hell yeah. What's up? Hello, Wilson uh, Germain Heredia. It's so wonderful to welcome you to the show and to meet you. Thank you for having me. Hey, how you doing? Very well. You were with Rent from the start. How many performances uh, did you have as Angel, do you think, if you're counting the off-Broadway run and then the Broadway Uh, run and then you performed in London as well? Yeah, I I did it on and off for about about four years. So, I mean, you know, you you do the math. And, I mean, I I, I didn't do all. We can't. We actually can't. No, we we don't have that skill. That's one thing we've proven. Wilson, you, of course, you, you performed as Angel, and it's such a beautiful performance. Yes. And I was surprised to read in an uh, interview I saw that uh, you said you didn't sort of get it. You didn't get the role until just before the, the opening off-Broadway. Yeah, I didn't feel like I, I locked it in yet. It took the death of Jonathan uh, right. for, for us to finally, you know, get it together. Mm. Um, That's and, Jonathan Larson, um, of course, the creator yeah. of, of Rent, composer and lyricist. Yeah, after he passed away, it just became that much more serious. And mm. I guess what, what it was is that, that I stopped being self-conscious of myself and I just did it. 
Mm. And so I was able to to really surrender to the role. And I just kind of like trusted in the process, trusted in everything that, that we worked on, trusted in Jesse uh, L. Barton. And then it just happened. And then all mm. of a sudden, oh, like cool. I gave, I, I just gave into the character. So yeah, well, you can definitely mm-hmm. tell that that is a character that I think it would be very challenging to perform with any degree of self-consciousness. Well, yeah, and yeah, then yeah, you yeah. should try it in heels, which he did. Yeah, he did. Exactly. Well, I was going to ask yeah. the, you know, the, 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 that role of Angel is such a demanding role. You've got the drumming and the dancing, the emotions, the, the different styles yeah. of music, yeah. plus those, I guess, five and a half inch I read platform heels. What, what was, what was yes, some of the sir. biggest challenges of, of that role for you? Sciatica. <laughs> I was gonna say your calf muscles must have been burning. Oh, I'm diesel. I mean, they're they're diesel right now. Oh um, man, <laughs> were there ever nights where you where you didn't make that table jump? You know what's funny thing is I was just talking to my chiropractor today about that. Um, and, and and the funny thing is that you know people have always asked me that question, and the jump is not the issue. It was jumping off of it. Oh really? Because for anyone that actually even in the film um i would jump like like six seven feet into the air and then continue the number and then finish the number as if though i wasn't out of breath so it was really the impact eight shows a week that that was really wow. you know that, oh. that was really oh, yeah. what but you know i was 24 mm-hmm. i was invincible so i, I, mm-hmm. I didn't I, it, it, it didn't really matter to me you know uh, those platform heels didn't come with good shocks uh, <laughs> no, no actually it had like it had metal hinges because i kept on popping <gasps> them every night you know like every, oh every other God. night because that was you know the impact of uh, i you know i went hard you know why yeah. why, why why bother doing it if you're not going to do it hard so that's, you were you worked for yeah. that, Tony. You worked You know for it. I did. <laughs> uh, what was your experience at the Tonys like? It felt really cool because there was so many people that I've admired over the years that, mm. that um, I felt that for once... And it was kind of scary that I can actually be perceived as their peer. Where's your Tony? Where is it? It's uh, to my left. Oh, I have a crazy st- Tony story. But but uh, but yeah, it's, it's to my left. Because of a move, I moved back and forth from here to L.A. And it actually got <laughs> lost. Yeah, yeah. It, it actually got lost. Oh, no! I, and I had it replaced. But I remember before I moved back over here to the East Coast... I remember kind of like looking up to the sky one night and and before like it was like a day before I moved back and and I thought like you know I just want my original Tony for some reason it was like it, it was really important to me that I had the original one that the one yeah. that I won someone gave me a call and it was somebody from the touring one of the touring casts of Rent they said like we have something of yours Apparently, like it was hanging out on some uh, on on the mantelpiece of these actors who happened to be on one of the touring castles, and they knew exactly. They, they said like this belongs to somebody. Oh my uh, God. It belongs to Wilson. Within a, a week of moving back to the East Coast, I got my original Tony back, and so what? I so so I have to say, and this is a true story. You can't make this up. Yeah. When something is for you, wow. Something is for you. Mm. And now, and that, and that is the story of the two Tonys. <laughs> yeah. You have a you have a backup Tony. Yeah, That's crazy. it is. It's a backup Tony. That's yeah. incredible. That is such a that is such a sign from the universe that you were supposed to move back. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, let's get to the question that we asked of uh, Jade. Uh, we want to know the first of two cast members from Rent who were nominated for a Tony and didn't win. Helen, what was the first name of those that Jade gave us? Jade said Adam Pascal. And Mr. Heredia? Correct. That is correct for a point. Adam was nominated and did not win. Very good. One of my first crushes in life. I saw my Naida too. He was great. 
Excellent. All right, uh, Helen, what was the second name that Jade gave us as a nominee from Rent who did not win? Jade said Tay Diggs. <laughs> right. um, no, it's not Tay Diggs. No, I'm, I'm sorry, that is not correct. And then finally, uh, Helen, we wanted to know who was nominated and did win the Tony. I think we know now, but let's see what Jade said. Jade said Idina Menzel. And Mr. Heredia? She was nominated as well. She was nominated, mm-hmm. but she, who, who yes. was the one who won, though? Me. It was you. <laughs> <laughs> That's always got to be fun to say. And Daphne Rubin Vega also was was nominated as well. Yeah, so Adam Pascal, Adina Menzel, and Daphne Rubin Vega were the ones who yes. were nominated, and uh, Wilson Jermaine Heredia was nominated and won. We yes. do have to get going, but uh, if people want to find out more about you and your work, where can they go, Wilson? They can find me on Instagram at Wilson Jermaine Heredia, Facebook for the old folks, uh, Wilson J. Heredia. <laughs> <laughs> um, and one and only Wilson on Twitter. Excellent. Well, we're so happy that we found you and that yeah. you found your way to us. It's an honor and a privilege to talk with you. Wilson yeah. Jermaine Heredia, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. The Tale of Two Tonys. The perfect name for an instant classical musical adventure for anyone who wants it. All right, it's time to shout out another big part of the live theater experience, the intermission. We'll have more of the Go Fact Yourself Best of Broadway special right after this. Go to the loo, get a wine. Helen, it's the holidays. You know what that means. Time to buy me gifts. And what gifts do I want most? I'm going to take a wild stab. Is it yeah. Magic Spoon? It is Magic Spoon, and I'm only half kidding. You are welcome, listeners, to buy me Magic Spoon, but I think you will want to buy your friends and loved ones Magic Spoon, or maybe even give the gift of Magic Spoon to yourself, because you get to have the nostalgia of eating those sugary cereals without the bad stuff in them. You know, it's so boring sometimes doing shakes and supplements and other grown-up kind of stuff for breakfast, but Magic Spoon gives you the fun and apparently it's got some beneficial stuff for your health. I don't know. Helen, what do you think about that? <laughs> Magic Spoon has replicated your favorite childhood cereals to taste good and be good for you. Each serving contains zero grams of sugar, over 13 grams of protein, and less than five grams of net carbs. It's low-carb, keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free, and a way to relive those moments watching your favorite cartoons. Plus, it's only 140 calories a serving. It's like there's magic in every spoonful. That's why they named it Magic Spoon. Get it? Get it? Oh, gosh. You know, there's some amazing flavor options available like cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, blueberry muffin, maple waffle, honey nut, cookies and cream, and cinnamon roll. Helen, how do people get Magic Spoon and especially get it for the holidays? Head to magicspoon.com slash gofact to grab a custom bundle of cereal and try the magic for yourself. And be sure to use our promo code GOFACT at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it, they will refund your money, no questions asked. That's magicspoon.com slash GOFACT and use the code GOFACT to save $5 off. And that's why we say thank thank you, Magic Spoon. I'm Jordan Cruciola, the host of Feeling Seen, where we talk about the movie characters that make us feel seen. And I'm the show's producer, Marissa. Jordan, you've interviewed so many directors, actors, writers, film critics, and I like to play this little game where I take a sip of coffee every time someone says... 
That's such a great question. That's such a fabulous question. Or they tell you how smart you are. I think that you are rather brilliant. And of course, the big one is when, when they, they cry, cry unexpectedly. unexpectedly. Yes, yes. Jordan, I don't want to cry on your podcast. I wasn't expecting to <laughs> cry. I mean, it makes me kind of want to cry. <sighs> Feeling Seen comes out every Thursday on MaximumFun.org. Listen already. What are you waiting for? Jordan, that's such a great question. <laughs> Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself's Best of Broadway Special. I'm Helen Hong. And I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. You know, in episode 65, Arden Marine answered trivia about a show that she and I both love and that we have both performed in, Little Shop of Horrors. It's also a show our other contestant, Wink Martindale, knew nothing about, and neither did I. Helen Hong. I know. I'm so sorry, J. Keith. I know you have a passion for it, but I've never seen it. That's all right. I hear, I hear good things about this Star Trek that you seem to enjoy. <laughs> So, this was our chance to learn more and to hear a live rendition of a song from Little Shop when our expert joined us. And suddenly, here it is. Well, Arden, you and I will be able to geek out for the next few minutes. Here's your first question about Little Shop of Horrors. Great. Little Shop's book and lyrics were written by Howard Ashman, and its music was written by a man who went on to achieve an EGOT, winning multiple Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony Awards. Who is this composer who won Oscars with Ashman for Beauty and the Beast and The Little Mermaid? Alan Menken. Helen? That is correct. Yes, that is correct. We didn't fool you there. <laughs> Fun fact, we talk a little bit about Alan Menken with guest Rachel Bloom in episode 61 of Go Fact Yourself. All right, here is question number two. Many people who know Little Shop because of the 1986 movie version might be surprised at how the stage musical actually ends. That's because the ending of the movie was changed after negative responses from test audiences. Spoiler alert, but how does the stage show end that is fundamentally different than the movie? And this is why I had a problem with the movie. Because the plant has to kill everyone. Everyone. The plant wins. Helen? That is correct. <laughs> that is, of course, correct. Very good. Uh, did you get a chance to see that alternate ending? I think it's been it's since been released on Blu-ray and it's on YouTube and whatnot. No. Is it fun? It's pretty fun. Yeah, I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, here's a fun fact. According to reports, about $5 million was spent shooting that ending, which was about a fifth of the movie's budget, only to have it scrapped. I have to watch it then. I mean, I, it's fun to watch. I'll have they to watch went through all that, that trouble, Arden. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, sure. All right, you're two for two, Arden. Here's question number three. Throughout the show, commentary is provided by... By three street urchins whose mm -hmm. style is reminiscent of girl groups of the 1960s, and so are their names. What are two of those three singing urchins' names? Okay, there, I think they're... <sighs> Arden, in deep concentration. I'm going to have to call in a hint. Okay, Helen, how about that first hint? One of the groups featured Ronnie Spector. Another is a word to describe something that's clear. Crystal. Okay. Well, I know it was the Ronettes, but 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 that's not their first name. The the individual name though is what? I'm so mad at myself right now. Crystal and Ronnie. Helen? I'm gonna give it to you. Okay, she's gonna give it I'm to you. It's up to you at the judge's table. Yes, it's a Crystal Ronette. Ronette and Chiffon. I said it the, okay, yeah, I did say it. You did say it. I did say it. I did say it. Helen did give it to you. On the Billboard charts, the Ronettes hit number two with Be My Baby. The Chiffons hit number one with He's So Fine. And the Crystals hit number one with He's a Rebel. All right, you were three for three, Arden. Here's question number four. The very first words of the show tell us the exact month and day when the action takes place. What is that date? On the 24th night of the month of September. So you're going to say September 24? Yes. Okay, Helen, is it September 24? It is not. No, I'm terribly sorry. Wink Martindale with a chance to steal. 
December 15th. Is it December 15th, Helen? It is not December no, 15th. No, I'm sorry. No point for either of you. Arden, you were excrucciatingly close. It's September 23rd. September, September 23rd. 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 Yes, the I'm 23rd. sorry. No, mm. Yes. Yes. Perhaps okay. you were thinking of the sequel that starts on September 24th. <laughs> uh, fun fact, September 23rd is the birthday of Bruce Springsteen, Ray Charles, and Ani DeFranco. What an exciting trifecta. It really is. All right. Uh, <laughs> let's see if you can bounce back with question number five. Great. One of the notable things about Little Shop is that it became a huge hit without its original production making it to Broadway. By the time Little Shop had finished its run, it had become the highest grossing off-Broadway show ever, running for over 2,000 performances. At what off-Broadway theater did it have its amazing run? The Orpheum. Helen? That is correct. Didn't fool you on the number five. That is correct. Yes, honey. Yes. Very, very nice. Fun fact, on July 23rd, 1986, to celebrate the show's fourth anniversary, Audrey II put her vine prints in cement in the sidewalk in front of the theater. Listeners, if you happen to go by there, please let us know if they're still there. We'd like to know. (laughs) Arden, you did very well in that round, but now here is your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. The main character in Little Shop is Seymour, and many acclaimed actors have taken on the role, including myself. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) Your cluster fact is about three of them who appeared in recent acclaimed productions. So for up to three points, what Tony nominee for Hamilton played Seymour in the 2019 off-Broadway production? What Oscar nominee made his musical theater debut playing Seymour in the 2015 Encores production at City Center? And what eventual Tony nominee originated the role of Seymour in the 1982 production and then played Mr. Mushnick in a 2018 production at the Kennedy Center? Okay. I saw this revival. Your first, it was the gentleman who won for Something Rotten, who was so good. He was so good. I'd be real with you. I have pandemic brain. (laughs) (laughs) Remember going to theater? (laughs) So I know who it is. I know that he is that incredibly hilarious, talented gentleman. He was also in Peter and the Star Catcher. I saw him Mm -hmm. in all three of these things. And I cannot remember his name. And he's brilliant. Brilliant. He's a fun rascal. Um, (laughs) Number two, what was the, what was the, the... What Oscar nominee made his musical theater debut playing Seymour in the 2015 Encores production at City Center? I don't know these answers. I'm so sorry. I need okay. to give you something. But my brain is literally can't even think of an Do Oscar you want to just nominee. name three people that you know? Okay, great. I was thinking Matthew Broderick. And uh-huh. then I... Okay, I was thinking Matthew Broderick. And then the last one was Kennedy Center. Mm-hmm. And they... The originate, was, originated the role of Seymour in a production that you saw. Goodness. I mean, I'll say Rick Moranis, but I know that it's not. I'm so sorry. I'm terrible today. (laughs) Okay. Well, Helen is taking note of your answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is a Tony-nominated actor who's appeared in over 100 movies and TV shows, 10 shows on Broadway, and originated the role of Seymour in Little Shop of Horrors. It's Lee Wilkoff. Hello, Hi, Lee I saw you. I saw you. Rick Moranis. I'm so sorry, <laughs> Lee. I'm so sorry. He did the movie. I know. I know that. I said that I was blanking. He can't sing. I, I'm teasing. He was okay. I don't Aww. accept anyone when they play the soundtrack of the movie. I was like, I, that is unacceptable. It has to be like the, of your. Should we do it? Should we do a little? <gasps> oh, my God. Are you serious? Yes. Lift up your head. Wash off your mascara. 
Here, take my Kleenex. Wipe that lipstick away. I'm gonna cry. Show me your face, <gasps> clean as the morning. I'm gonna cry. I know things were bad, but now they're okay. Suddenly, Seymour is standing beside you. He don't need no makeup. You don't have to pretend. Suddenly, Seymour is here to provide you sweet understanding. Seymour's your friend. Nobody ever treated me kindly. Daddy left early. Mama was poor. I'd meet a man and I'd follow him blindly. He'd snap his fingers, me. I'd say, sure, suddenly see more. Oh, my God, I can't. Sweet understanding. Sweet understanding. Seymour's my man. <laughs> now you have to kiss me oh, like Ellen whoa, Green. Oh, whoa. my God. That literally teared me up. I cannot thank you enough. That was thank you, were, you, Lee Wilcox. You were of great. service to me today. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Leah, I want to ask you, of course, about Little Shop. You originally auditioned for a different role before you got cast as Seymour. I did. Tell us about I that. did. I knew Alan Menken. I had done a review in New York in the late 70s, and then I went out to Los Angeles. I was living out there, and I got a call from the casting director, who I was friends with in New York, and she said, come on in. They want you to audition for the role of the dentist. So back then, I was wearing a, a hairpiece. I went to the audition because I thought that the dentist should not be hairless and I had on my hairpiece and I walked in the room and Alan Menken who I knew he saw me and he started laughing because he knew that I was bald <laughs> and, I, and I was so embarrassed I ripped my uh, toupee off and Howard Ashman said well you're a, you're, you're not a dentist you're 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 a Seymour Aww. and uh, I sang the song smile Charlie Chaplin song though yeah. your heart is aching Aww. yeah that's that was the only song that I knew and Howard, his assistant director, who I just like kind of keyed into, she was just so beautiful. My friend called me that. I had a decent audition, and my friend, uh, who was the casting director, called me <gasps> that night. I was staying at a friend's wow. in New York, and she said, you have a callback. And I said, yeah, that's great, but who is that? who is that woman? Anyhow, cut to, the assistant director convinced Howard for some reason, to cast me, and and um, I married oh her. Oh, my goodness. And we've been married for uh, 36 I years. I love Connie. that. Yay, what a story. Connie Grappo, who, who subsequently went on to direct a Little Shop all over the world after Howard moved on to other things. Sure. Oh, that's and, so and great. And we're still together. Well, let's get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Arden. We wanted to know about some recent productions of it with some acclaimed actors. First, we wanted to know what Tony nominee for Hamilton played Seymour in the 2019 Off-Broadway production. Helen, what did Arden say? Um... Exactly. She did not quite pull yeah. the name. <laughs> I didn't pull his resume. Yeah, I think you were actually speaking about Christian Borle, but who yes. played Seymour, Lee Wilkoff? Jonathan Groff. Jonathan Groff played Seymour. Christian Borle played the dentist. Jonathan was great. And yes. I thought you said winner, and that's where I got confused. Uh, no, no, the Tony nominee for Hamilton. No. Uh, sorry, no point there, but I'm so glad and a little jealous that you got to see that production. That was a very hot ticket. All right, next we wanted to know what Oscar nominee made his musical theater debut playing Seymour in the 2015 Encores production at City Center. Helen, what did Arden say? Arden said Matthew Broderick. And Lee Wilkoff? <laughs> I was not Matthew. Uh, who I've worked with on The Odd Couple. I don't think he can sing, but he's he's funny. It was Jake Gyllenhaal, and I saw it. 
Yeah, Jake was about 38. Ellen was my age. I'm not going to say how old. It was pretty <laughs> interesting. I was annoyed they didn't ask me to play Mr. Mushnick. But oh, well, that brings us to our third question. We asked what eventual Tony nominee originated the role of Seymour in the 1982 production and then played Mr. Mushnick in a 2018 production at the Kennedy Center. Helen, what did Arden say? Arden said Rick Moranis. And Moranis. Uh, I know. I knew. <laughs> I was blanking. I was, Who actually did um, do that? Uh, all those wonderful things. Lee Wilkoff. Lee Wilkoff. Well, it was very special to have you join us tonight. If people want to find out more about you, uh, where can they go, Lee Wilkoff? Uh, I'm on Instagram, and uh, I quit Facebook a few years ago. I got in too many fights um, <laughs> about politics, so I'm just on Instagram. Well, it's wonderful for you to join us. Thank you so much, Lee, Lee Wilcoff, ladies and gentlemen. Thank Bye, Arden. I have Bye. my make a wish. You're thank lovely. You. <laughs> hey, if you want to hear more from Lee Wilcoff, you can go listen to episode 73 of Go Fact Yourself, where he returned as a contestant and he brought as his competitor Tony winner from my favorite show, Next to Normal. Alice Ripley. We've got one more break, and then it's time for the grand finale of the best of Broadway special of Go Fact Yourself. Ooh, that means it might be time for the 11 o'clock number. Holiday meals, holiday activities, holiday traditions, prepping for holiday meals, sharing meals with the people you love. Those are all things that I think of when I think of ButcherBox. ButcherBox, it takes the guesswork out of finding high-quality meat and seafood you can trust. It's got 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. But Helen, do they have choices? You can choose from a variety of box plan options, from curated to customized, and change your plan whenever you want. You know, you can make your favorite holiday meal with a butcher box cut, whether you want delicious steaks or easy-to-prepare chicken. I got an entire rack of ribs. You can really make butcher box your own. Now, Helen, of course, I love a rack of ribs. You would not enjoy a rack of ribs. What are some of the meats that you would enjoy that you can get at ButcherBox. Devoted listeners will know that I do not eat animals with four legs, but I will eat the bleep out of some chicken and seafood. I'll tell you that. And you can definitely get high quality meats and seafood delivered to your door during the holiday season from ButcherBox because the holiday season is made better and tastier with ButcherBox. Hey, for a limited time, they're offering our listeners ground beef for life and 10% off your first order. Sign up today at ButcherBox.com slash GoFact and use code GoFact to get 10% off your first box and ground beef for the life of your membership. That's ButcherBox.com slash GoFact and use code GoFact to claim this deal. Happy holidays and thank Thank you, ButcherBox. Hal Loveland here with breaking news on a revolutionary form of entertainment, professional wrestling. For more, we go to our correspondent, Danielle Radford. Professional wrestling is the craze that's sweeping the nation, featuring fisticuffs and colorful costumes. But who can help us make sense of this world of body slams? Lindsay Kelk has the answer. Sources tell us of an amazing podcast called Tights and Fights, filled with discussions of the absurdity of professional wrestling, plus all the sincerity and hilarity that you could shake a stick at. Listen to the Tights and Fights podcast every week. Find it on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. And your old-timey radio. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself's Best of Broadway Special. 
You know, there's only one person who would be the right person to wrap up this show. No showcase of Broadway would be complete without the legendary composer and lyricist Stephen Sondheim. He was Eliza Skinner's area of expertise on episode 67 against Josh Gondelman. Now, sadly, just over a year after we released this episode, Stephen Sondheim passed away at the age of 91. Now, we talked about memorable theater experiences. I was actually in New York at the time and had tickets to see the Sondheim show company that night with Patti Lapone. What? Yeah, it was really, really sad. And I mean, it, epic, like epically memorable. Yeah, it was one of those situations where something that happened off the stage really informed what was going on on the stage, which is one of the reasons why I love seeing live theater. You know, I wasn't sure if they were going to cancel, but they made an amazing speech and in tribute to Sondheim, the show went on. It really was one of the most memorable nights I've ever had on Broadway. If you want to hear even more about Sondheim, check out episode 100, where we have Sondheim's Pulitzer winning collaborator from Sunday in the Park with George, James Lapine. But now, listen to this. All right, here's your first question about Stephen Sondheim, Eliza. Many people first heard of Sondheim when they heard the lyrics he wrote to a show that started with, When you're a jet, you're a jet all the way. What 1957 production marked Sondheim's full-length Broadway musical debut? That would be West Side Story, and I didn't even need the Jets part of it. Do, can we buzz in early on this, or should I let you finish? <laughs> We're going to have to take your word for it, but uh, Helen? That is correct. That is correct, of course. By the way, we phrase that question as full-length musical debut because a song of his, Girls of Summer, appeared in a play with the same name in 1956, a year before. Mm-hmm. All right, question number two. Stephen Sondheim has won seven Tony Awards, including one for Lifetime Achievement, eight Grammys, including a Trustees Award, and a Pulitzer Prize. He's also won one Academy Award for a song he wrote for the movie Dick Tracy. Who sang Sondheim's song in that movie? Oh, gosh, I don't know. Um, Could it be Madonna? Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Thank you for mocking us for the difficulty of your question, too. Eliza I'm sorry. I'm just excited because I thought I was going to do really badly and I can actually answer Honestly, these. Honestly, <laughs> these questions make me feel more confident about the ones I'm going to get. So okay. thank you for that, too. Yeah. They are supposed to get harder as we go along. Let's see if we end up oh, like, giving no. you a challenge. Oh, no. Oh, gosh. Oh, wow. So much hubris. <laughs> it was. I, I flew too close to the song. <laughs> go with Before the Fall. By the way, of course, that song was called Sooner or later. Mm-hmm. All right, question number three. You are two for two. Perhaps Sondheim's most enduring song is Send in the Clowns, written specially for Glynis Johns for the musical A Little Night Music and recorded by everyone from Barbara Streisand to Judy Collins to Bing Crosby to Kenny Rogers to Lou Rawls to Krusty the Clown. The lyrics ask a lot of questions, but which one of the following questions is not asked in the song? Is it Don't You Approve? Are We a Pair? When Did It Start? Don't you love the farce, or isn't it queer? Okay, I'm going to say the first one, approve, is not in it. Don't you approve. Helen? That is not correct. No, I'm terribly <gasps> sorry. Josh Gondelman with a chance to steal. Oh, gosh. So it's, it's don't you approve. When did it start? Helen? That is correct. That is correct for a successful wow. steal from Josh Gondelman. Thank you. Thank you. Fun fact, Sondheim wrote additional lyrics for Barbara Streisand to record in her version of the song. She's also performed her own parody version about a certain president where she sang, Who is this clown? <laughs> uh, by the way, Glynis Johns currently is 97 years old wow. and still going strong. All right, Eliza, here's question number four. 
Before West Side Story, Sondheim supplied lyrics for a musical written in 1954, but not produced until 1997. It tells the story of Brooklyn Bachelors in Search of Love. What is it called? Oh, no. You do have two hints available if you'd like to use one of your hints. Yes. I want a Helen, hint. how about that first hint? Add a word to the end of this title, and you've got the name of a short-lived 1999 Broadway musical that was based on an iconic John Travolta movie. Uh, maybe maybe I, think of John Travolta movies, which are iconic, which you might... Uh, is it Urban Cowboy or Rhinestone Cowboy? But that was later. Mm-hmm. That wasn't 99. What was in 97 that he just wrote the lyrics, not the music to? I mean, I'm I'm at a loss, so I'm just going to say um, Rhinestone. Helen, is it Rhinestone? It is not Rhinestone. You no, know, I'm terribly sorry, although I love that uh, Dolly Parton, Sylvester Stallone movie, and I hope... Ah, that's what it is! Damn musical. it! Josh Gondelman with a chance to steal. This is a real shot in the dark, just going by the clue. Was there a musical written by Stephen Sondheim? The lyrics, but not the music, right? That's what we're looking for? Yep. Was it called Saturday Night? Helen? That is correct. Another yeah. successful steal by Josh wow, Gondelman. Josh. Saturday Night is the name of that oh, uh, very man. obscure Sondheim Josh, piece. That was killing it with these clues. <laughs> All right, Eliza, let's see if you can bounce back with question number five. According to the Internet Broadway Database, there have been nearly 60 productions that have made it to Broadway and featured a contribution from Stephen Sondheim. Of those, there are four shows that have the word Sondheim in the title. Concerts and reviews, mostly, that featured folks like Mandy Patinkin and Barbara Cook. Name one of those four shows with Sondheim in the title. Side by Side by Sondheim. Helen? That is correct. That is correct (laughs) for the points. Eliza, triumphant and relieved. Uh, The others are mostly Sondheim, celebrating Sondheim, and Sondheim on Sondheim. Uh, All right. You ended up doing quite well in that round, Eliza. But now here is your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. Eliza eating her hair in preparation for the cluster fact (laughs) question. Eliza, in 2004, Sondheim's Assassins made it to Broadway and won five Tony Awards, the most of any production that year. For up to three points, who was the only performer in Assassins who won a Tony? Which assassin, who was the earliest assassin depicted in the show, did that actor play? And name one of the other four Tony Awards the show won. I got no idea. So I'm going to say um, Neil Patrick Harris okay. won a Tony for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. And which assassin, who was the earliest assassin depicted in the show, did that actor play? Um, John Wilkes Booth. John Wilkes Booth. All right. And then we're looking for one no, of the other. No, John Wilkes Booth is at the end. No, okay. And we're looking oh, yeah. for one of the other Tony Awards that it won. Lighting design. Lighting design. All right. Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is an actor, singer, and guitarist who's won two Tony Awards, including for his role in Stephen Sondheim's Assassins. It's Michael Cerverus. Michael Cerverus. Oh, my gosh. I should have known this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) If I had said that I was an expert in Tommy, I would have slaughtered this. I would have been all over it. I would have been dunking Tommy factoids the whole time. (laughs) You had that option, but you did choose Sondheim. Michael, you and Eliza have actually uh, shared a stage before and have met before. Tell us about that. We have. We were at Joe's Pub for a Loser's Lounge show. 
Yeah, and that was a show where people did different is it interpretations or songs in the styles of uh, well-known composers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a long-running downtown New York tradition uh, run by Joe McGinty, and he puts together this amazing band that plays like thirty songs in a night of a either a given composer or sometimes their battle of the bands things. Mm-hmm. They get like thirty different singers to sing, and some of them are like spot-on perfect recreations, and some of them are the most bizarre interpretations ever, <laughs> and those are sometimes the best. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's talk about uh, Sondheim. You've been in many productions of Sondheim shows on Broadway and in concert and at the Kennedy Centers, uh, things like Sweeney Todd, Roadshow, Passion. You've performed for Sondheim at his 80th birthday and then virtually at his 90th birthday uh, earlier this year. And then you've gotten to work with him. What kind of feedback or guidance does uh, Stephen Sondheim give as you're developing a role? He'll sometimes surprise you by not seeming to care about the particulars of every single note or every single thing. Sometimes his notes will be more about just uh, something uh, making the character authentic or believable. Mm. Other times he'll say, you know, the fourth note in the third, you know, measure of that that is a passing note on the way you're a little flat on that or that that should actually be a dotted half note and so you know it can be super specific but generally it's much more of a kind of everything that he does is motivated by telling the story and revealing the character and so his notes are kind of to you are often about that well let's talk about assassins that was quite a production that was a crazy thing it was it was kind of like an acting class on steroids you had these nine different actors and the way the show is constructed you have a lot of two or you know small person small number of characters scenes and because i was playing john wilkes booth and my assassination happens first in the play all of the characters stayed on stage in our production for the once you you know had your assassination or attempt you stayed on stage so i was on stage for pretty much the entire show watching and it was the most fantastic seat in the house and the best acting lesson ever and you know you had neil patrick harris you had uh, mario cantone you had uh, mr o'hare your fellow nominee yeah dennis o'hare was he was a real hero of mine. I, I expected I expected him to be going home with the Tony Award, and mm. I think possibly he didn't only because he had just won it the year before. All right, Michael, let's get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Eliza. We're going to take them in a little bit of a different order. We asked Eliza, what were one of the four other Tony Awards besides an award for performer that Assassins won? Helen, what did Eliza say? Eliza said lighting design. And Michael Cerveris? That is absolutely right. That what? is correct. Best lighting yeah. design. You got the point, Eliza. Yes. Yeah. When in were... doubt, lighting design. <laughs> <laughs> when in doubt, lighting design. Uh, the other awards were for best director of a musical, uh, best mm. orchestrations, and best revival of a musical, even though technically it was not a Broadway revival. It was a revival of an off-Broadway show, but I'm guessing because they thought that maybe they had better chances of winning that award. It was selected in that category. So congratulations. That's a point for Eliza. Uh, Mm -hmm. We also Mm -hmm. wanted to know what was the role that the performer who won the Tony that year played, who was the earliest assassin depicted in the show. Helen, what did Eliza say? Eliza said John Wilkes Booth. And Michael Cerveris? That's absolutely right. That is correct. Another point for Eliza. Very good. And then finally, for knowing the show, if not the production. (laughs) (laughs) And then finally, want to know who was the only performer in Assassins who won a Tony that season? Helen, what did Eliza Skinner say? Eliza said Neil Patrick Harris. And uh, who, in fact, was that Michael Service? That was to me. 
That was to you, Michael Cerver. I'm sorry. That's okay. Neil Neil will feel much better about the whole thing. Before we let you go, Eliza, is there anything you'd like to ask or say to our expert Michael Cerver while we have him um, here? I would like to say that it was very nice to see you, and I'm sorry that I, did, that I got your question wrong. I'm really embarrassed because you're great. I actually couldn't be happier that you did it exactly the way you did. <laughs> okay, Excellent. Good. We couldn't be Thank happier you. that we had you here. If people want to find out more about you or your work, Michael, where can they go? Um, they can go to, if you want to find out about Loose Cattle, uh, Loose Cattle Band has a website. I'm on Instagram and Facebook. I've been lately, I've been in my dad's basement going through boxes during, you know, the, the personal archaeological dig that is <laughs> quarantine time. And, uh, and I've been finding all these old photographs of stuff from when I grew up in West Virginia and was on stage for the first time through, uh, I think I'm up to my days in fame right now. So mm. if you, if you want some really embarrassing photos, my Instagram account and Facebook page are, uh, <laughs> are the place to go. Wow. Excellent. Well, it was wonderful to uh, speak with you and to see you and to hear your lovely voice. Thank you for joining us. Michael Cerverus. Thank you all. Yay! Congratulations. <laughs> and that's Curtain Down on the Best of Broadway special of Go Fact Yourself. You can find links in our show notes to the full episodes with all the segments you heard. And be sure to listen for regularly scheduled episodes of Go Fact Yourself dropping twice a month every month. I have a feeling you'll be hearing more from Broadway soon. And that just leaves me to thank all of our guests and experts from the shows you just heard. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night. Like what you hear? Come see us live. It's happening again. Our next scheduled show is Sunday, January 15th at the Center for Inquiry West in Los Angeles. Meanwhile, please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at GoFactorPod, update our wiki at GoFactorWiki.Fandom.com, and buy our T-shaped shirt and mug at MaxFunStore.com. And give us a great review on your favorite podcast platform, like Angie Logue from Canada did on Apple Podcasts. He, she, or they said, I regularly tear up when the expert guests are revealed and the contestants freak out over meeting their hero. Thanks to Helen and Jay Keith for producing such a fun, interesting, and entertaining show. Thanks, Angie Logue. Great. Now I'm tearing up. Helen? Me too. Aww. Me too. <laughs> Helen, we must go on. Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised and produced by Jim Newman and J. Keith Van Stratton and comes to you via transcription from various homes and venues across the globe. Questions were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. We are produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Maximum Fun senior producer is Laura Swisher. Associate producer and editor and the wind beneath our wings is Julian Burrell. Our show engineer is Dave McKeever. Our theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Research assistance provided by Adam Needif. Promotional graphics by Erich Tran. Added support from Dave Bianchi and Christine Vallada. I've been Helen Hong. Oh, I'm enjoying that from the fifth row. <laughs> Out of the spit zone. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.